very good morning to one and all. Welcome, huge welcome to those who are on site and those who are online, no matter where you are in the world. I hope that you are all keeping healthy and safe. Uh, today is the first Sunday in October and we are already entering into the last quarter of 2021. Do you remember where you were in the beginning of the year? Do you remember if you made any New Year resolution? And have you actually made any impact throughout these nine months? So for the rest of the year, let's hope that we will all make a good and productive time out of it. But as we gather together here, let us now join our hearts with a call to worship. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us, Let us be, be glad, glad this day for life, for, for breath, and, and for freedom to worship. Blessed are you who come in the name of the Lord. We, we come, come to bring our gifts of praise and gratitude to the God of all creation. God is good, and in God's work, we find our strength. We sing, we sing of, of all God's wonderful works. Let us give thanks and praise to the Lord. Let us now join the worship team in a time of worshipping together. So 
Will you pray together with me? Our loving God, we come together as your people with the deep desire to come close to you, to worship, to bring all the cares and concerns that we carry with us to you. And God, I know that you hear us that you watch over us, and that you listen to every cry of our hearts. God, in this climate where things are so uncertain, where there is a level of anxiety about how things are going with the pandemic, with numbers, God, I just want to pray that in this moment, that you help us to find rest in you. Help us to center our hearts and our spirits in you. In the midst of a transition, in the midst of questions, in the midst of not having all the answers, God help us to find rest in you. And we just want to lift up our healthcare workers, our doctors, our nurses, our hospitals, and all those who are involved in this time um, having to deal with um, a situation where um, there's a lot more that they have to deal with, that God, you will just, in this time, be that all-sufficiency for those who are involved in the front lines. I also pray for those in this time that is dealing with health issues, both physical, mental, or any kind uh, that interferes with the well-being of our hearts, our souls, and our bodies. And so, God, I pray for those who are struggling, that, God, you will draw them close to you, especially close, and that you will call, help them to feel a sense of your peace that truly guards their hearts. God, we also lift up those in our families, around us, our loved ones who may be sick and in hospital at this point. We know of quite a few of our members um, who have loved ones in the hospital and who are struggling um, with sickness. And God, we lift up our mothers, our fathers, our aunties, our uncles, everyone that is on our hearts that we care for to you. In this time, it's sometimes a bit hard for us to be there for them as much as we want to be, whether it's in the hospital, whether it's being able to um, take care of them. For those of us who are far away, uh, who may not be in Singapore and have loved ones who are sick here too, God, will you draw close? Will you take the ones that we care about under your wing and watch over them, take care of them, and allow your healing to be upon them? Healing not only of their bodies, but of their minds, of their souls, that they may feel your peace and your presence surrounding them. We also want to lift up our children and also all students who are going through their exam periods during this time. 
Um, there are different challenges around exams, um, but especially in this pandemic time, uh, it has its additional levels of stress. And so, God, I just pray for our students that you will help them in this time to find rest in you and that as they go through the exams, that you will walk with them, that you will surround them with your presence, that you will grant them clarity of mind, that you help them to be able to do the best that they can, um, and that in the midst of this, that they may truly see your hand holding them each step of the way. And so God, we are thankful that we are here today, whether we're here physically or online, we're thankful that we have this opportunity to come together, to look to you together, and to allow your spirit to be at work in all of our lives. And we thank you that in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of storms, in the midst of the challenges of life, that you are always here with us. You are God with us. And so for that, God, we are grateful and behold that as a comfort and as a strength as we walk through life. And so we thank you for being with us. We thank you that we can pray in such a way as we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Good morning to those of you who have joined us uh, at One Commonwealth and those of you who are joining us online. And I hope all of you are staying safe and keeping well during this time. And today we reach the last um, of in the sermon series, uh, the B Attitudes. Um, and those of you who have been joining us for a while will know that we use Menti um, so that we can get you to participate in um, the sermon as well. And today's code is 85724285. 85724285. Um, will you join me in prayer? God, may the words from my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. So we have been going through the Beatitudes. Um, for the past seven, and this is the eighth um, uh, uh, weeks. And I want to go through them again and read it to you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We have come to the last beatitude and the close of this sermon series. And months ago, when we came up with this sermon arc, I didn't know where it would lead. I had some ideas, but... This sermon series unfolded quite differently from what I expected. And I learned a lot through the process. And each sermon built upon the previous one. And each expanded my own understanding of the Beatitudes. I really appreciate Gary, Jamie and Gui for bringing in a different perspective on top of Pauline's and my own. And I hope that all of you 
have gained a deeper appreciation of the Beatitudes. Last week, there were six questions you entered during a Greece sermon, and I wanted to address them today. The questions, uh, can peace be achieved at war? Peacemaker seems to suggest it is someone who is in power, but how about someone who is in the weaker position and already being oppressed? I think this question, I need one to address it now. It's not necessarily so that we are powerless. The power is within us. We can make peace and we can participate in a work of peace. The oppressed can resist. I'm not sure, no, for those of you, you must, you must not see these eight Beatitudes as separate, but all interconnected to one another. And Gary's sermon on Blessed and Meek, he talked about turning the other cheek, walking the extra mile. And when someone asks for your coat, let them have your coat, your cloak also. These are acts of resistance from someone who's being oppressed, someone who you might think is powerless. There are ways, and Jesus' way of resisting through nonviolence is what this beatitude is, these beatitudes are trying to teach us. And then some of you ask, you know, um, should we not stand up for injustice? How to be peacemaking but naive? And what exactly is the definition of peace? What does it constitute? Well, I personally like to define peace um, with a Hebrew word for peace, shalom, because that connotates wholeness, where everything is in right relationship with one another. But this peace doesn't necessarily mean the lack of conflict, right? And we addressed it quite well in his sermon last week. And for political issues, right, like 377A, it seems that resolution is not something that can be found in the near future. And as peacemakers, how are we supposed to respond to injustice in the system? And it's also injustice about other issues as well. How do we make peace, wage peace? Mm, I want to talk about that today too. Is standing up for justice and equality part of peacemaking that Jesus is referring to here? Yes, of course. And for the layperson, how to simplify this so that they understand it plainly? It's not easy to simplify because we have been taught a lot of things as we are growing up, the ways of the world. And it shapes who we are and how we understand. And it's ingrained in us, a transactional understanding of life in some way. I know I give you something and you give me something back. Uh, but Jesus' teachings and the Beatitudes run headlong against a lot of the things that we've been taught. And Gui answered some of these questions and he pointed out that peacemaking isn't about keeping quiet. Peacemaking isn't passive. It's, peacemaking isn't a drop-in or a lack of conflict. And the reality is if we passively wait for change to happen, it's not going to happen. The change around us throughout history has always happened when someone took action. The kingdom of God requires us to participate to bring it about. And one of the important things about participation is, as we participate, we too are transformed in a, into a new people. A new people who seek peace, not through violence, but through love. Peace isn't achieved through violent means. And Greece said, what a peacemaker does is peaceful. It's logical, right? 
And so we cannot fight the war to win the peace. When you fight the war, he says, you will most assuredly win more war. You win peace by making, by waging peace. There's a book in the Bible that illustrates this um, this idea, right? When you fight the war, you will win more war. And we often skip over the violent parts of the Bible, afraid to face it. Or we might take it as though the authors of the Bible and even God sanctions this violence and war. But that is reading with, without interpreting the text, without taking a step back and looking at the big picture. Too often we read the Bible in chunks, right? One chapter and so. But when we read it in a in its entirety, we realize something else is going on. The book of Judges is a good example. And one verse keeps repeating itself throughout the book of Judges. Do you have any idea what phrase that is? The phrase is, Then the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And this begins... You know, when they did some evil, there's a cycle of punishment through oppression by their enemies. Then there's a repentance and deliverance through the judges sent by the Lord. Othniel, Ehud, Deborah, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson. Then when they are, after they are delivered, then they have a period of prosperity, peace. Right? And it begins all over again. Then the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Rob Bell talks about the violent story of how Ehud killed King Eglon to liberate his people in his book, What is the Bible? And I, I recommend that you read it. It's a very easy read for the question that you know, someone asked earlier, like, um, how do you make it uh, for the layperson to understand? I think that Rob Bell did a very good job with the, with the book because it's not academic. It is very straightforward, and we read it. He gives you very good examples what he's talking about. And he writes, What do you do with a story like that? It's so violent. The whole book of Judges is, if you don't realize, right, you have a tent peg pierced into a, you know, an enemy general's head, um, and Ehud, who murdered the, the King Eglon, you know, driving um, a sword into his stomach, you know, well, maybe he was in the toilet or something. It's all blood and chaos all around. And even the last line of the story of Ehud, and the land had peace for 80 years, is tainted by the fact that it only took the murdering of a king and 10,000 others to bring about that peace, if that's what you call it. So it's a story about Ehud the crafty and clever hero who delivers his people from violence, but he does it with more violence, which is fascinating because how does the next chapter start? Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then we are right back into another cycle where the Israelites are brutally oppressed by another foreign king for 20 years until they cry out. And you know what happens when they cry out, right? They are delivered again. And on and on it goes. And you can almost feel the writer's fatigue in between the lines, can't you? When you read the whole story and you read, you know, after one violence, you know, they have a, a season of peace, maybe 20 years, maybe 80 years, and then there's violence, you know, then there's oppression all over again because they've done evil in the sight of the Lord. 
It's as if the storyteller is chronicling all this violence and as rescue, showing us that it isn't working. Nothing ever really gets better. And yet, just below the surface, there's this insistence that God is looking out for these people, rescuing them, hearing them cry, and being really, really patient with them. And this so-called peace that is achieved through violence is only temporary. Nothing really gets better because the people have not been transformed. Because they have not been transformed, they keep repeating this cycle of violence. Using violence to resolve the situation only sow seeds for more violence. And of course, it may be easy for us to interpret that the Israelites, the evil that the Israelites did was idolatry and worshipping other gods. And surely, we don't do that today. So when we think about we don't worship other gods, we don't have to worry about living Jesus' way as long as we worship the right God and believe in the right things. Yet this cycle of screwing up, crying out to God, and having someone rescue and deliver us, and for a brief time of prosperity, still repeats itself. The cycle of violence isn't limited to the book of Judges. It is all over the Bible, and all over history as well. History repeats itself again and again. Why? Because we have not been transformed. Because we are still worshipping other gods today. Just that these gods are not religious idols. These gods appear in different ways. But that does, just because they're not religious doesn't mean that we don't worship them. We worship power. We worship wealth. We worship security. We worship violence. And just because they, are, they don't come to us in a religious sense doesn't mean that we don't worship them. We actually trust them more than we trust God. We trust money to solve problems. We, we, hold, we cling on to security out of fear. So when we say Jesus is the way and the path to salvation, what do we mean? It is not just believing that Jesus is the way, but it's about living Jesus' way. Because if you believe, but don't live it out, do you really believe? And it is only when we follow Jesus, live out Jesus' teachings, that this cycle of violence, this cycle that's constantly repeating in, in humankind, can be broken. That's how we move towards shalom, towards the kingdom of God. The Beatitudes is a manifesto. It's a manifesto for the kingdom of God and a manifesto of how to live out Jesus' way. We talk a lot about being a new people, being transformed as followers of Christ. But what does it really mean? It is about moving beyond our selfishness, becoming more and more Christ-like as the children of God we bring about the kingdom of God here on earth. And as more and more of us are transformed, living out these values that's countercultural, God's kingdom expands. This is how I understand when Jesus said, Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. 
It's already here. It's within us. We can manifest the kingdom of God because its potential is already within us. Which brings me back to the final beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There are two key words here, persecuted and righteousness. And I want to invite you now, you know, to key in. What do you think is... What do you understand by these two words, persecuted and righteousness? I invite you to think about what do you understand by these two words? Very big words, right? Mm, no answer so far. Not too sure. There's an answer. At least now I know it's working. <laughs> because sometimes when we flip and then it's not turned on and then no one can type in the answer. What do you understand by these two words, persecuted and righteousness? Because sometimes we always like to play the victim card, right? We are, oh, I'm attacked for holding on to my beliefs and whatnot. Hmm. Persecution is being harassed or insulted for your belief. Righteousness is a gift. Actively resisted when we try to live right. Hmm. They're opposites, usually not the righteous who are persecuted. Hmm. Actually, you know, I will, I will be, I'll be experiencing that a little more. Right? Persecuted clash in relationships. It's not just to be persecuted. The right are persecuted. The wrong are not. Well, persecuted, being judged and condemned by worldly standards. Righteousness, being right by God. Righteousness is right standing with God and doing what God wants discriminated and justice. So, persecuted is discriminated against and righteousness is justice. When I think of persecution, I think of being mistreated, oppressed, and even have one's safety and well-being threatened. We can face persecution for many things. It could be because of race, religion, political beliefs, nationality, sexual orientation, gender identity. Persecution could range from being bullied and threatened, right? And maybe losing one's livelihood or even killed. But remember this, one could be face persecution for wrongdoing also. It's not just the righteous who are persecuted, it's also those who are wrong, right? And what about righteousness? I don't really like the word righteousness because often when it is used to describe one's own actions, it too often becomes self-righteousness. We justify our own actions, saying that it's righteous, but is it really? How is it, you know, what, what does, how does God see our actions? Is our actions really righteous? And very often, instead of paying attention to the rightness of our own actions, we actually pay attention to other people's actions. You know, this person is not doing a righteous thing. This person is doing a wrong thing. And that can be self-righteous too. 
Brother Mark Brown from the Society of St. John the Evangelist had a sermon on this, and I like what he said. He said, I'm not sure just why, but I find the word righteousness one of the more irritating words of the Bible. It's a word that's used a lot, but the Bible doesn't come with a glossary of definitions. Perhaps my discomfort with the word is that it's too close to the word self-righteous. Or maybe it's a word we can't actually use with confidence to describe anyone in particular. We might recognize words or deeds as righteous, but who can we say is truly and fully righteous? Who are we to say who is unrighteous? And doesn't the sunshine and rain fall upon the righteous and the unrighteous? And doesn't Christ himself call his followers the righteous and the unrighteous? Don't we all at times walk in the footsteps of Peter, who denied knowing Jesus not once, but three times? Don't we at all at times walk in the footsteps of Matthew, who made common cause with an oppressive system? You know, Matthew, the tax collector. Don't we all, sooner or later, walk in the footsteps of even Judas, the betrayer? Yeah, we are both and. The righteous and the unrighteous reside within us because none of us are perfect. While Brother Mark Brown says the Bible doesn't define very well the word righteous, I know of a place where Jesus defines it quite clearly. Do you know where that is? 20 chapters down from the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says, Come, you who receive good things from my Father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and gave you clothes to wear? When did we see you in sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for the least of your, these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. Jesus defined it. The reality is that we are both righteous and unrighteous. We are not perfect. We might be a wonderful friend, but a terrible manager. We might be a great child to our parents, but a terrible sibling to our brother, sister, or our siblings. There are times that we transcend our selfish natures to do selfless acts of love for other people and even strangers. And there are times we succumb to fear, envy, lust, sloth, pride, and greed. And we do things that are unrighteous. There are times the price to pay for doing the right thing is so great 
that costs us so much that we choose to turn away. Instead of following the example of the Good Samaritan, we act like the priest and the Levite, and we cross to the other side of the road and pass the wounded man by, pretending that we don't see anything. But Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We are called to do what is right, even if it gets us in trouble. Even, we are called to do what is right, even if doing so puts us at being risk of being unclean in the eyes of religious law. We are called to do what is right, even if it costs us. Gui, in his sermon last week, said, Jesus' blessings to all these are an encouragement to them because the world must and will fail them miserably. Only the God's kingdom will be able to begin repaying them objectively. Until then, the making of peace, for the, the making of peace, we who strive will not be loved. We can hope to be, but will probably not be understood. Because we are truly on the side of peace and no illusions working to be thanked. He asked, you know, and he pointed out, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. And how, come, how can the Prince of Peace not bring peace? Gui explains that when we wage Christ's peace, all that only see things divisively will come for you. They will make war with you. But while we see what they see, to understand them and know how to do peace, we must not see as they see. We must do things differently. Gui ended the sermon. Did, do you get that? We must see what the world sees, but not as it sees we must then start to make what is not yet there the way of peace. At the end of the day, when we follow Jesus' way, we align ourselves not with those who are powerful, but we align ourselves with the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is like what? It is where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Those who are first today, do you think that they will want for this reversal to happen? Those who are first today will certainly not want the kingdom of God. They want the status quo to remain. And all those who are first will attack, persecute, and use all the means at their disposal with whatever power they have to stop this change, to stop the advancing of God's kingdom. Because they benefit from the system. They are the first, the elite, the 1%. God's kingdom, where the mighty are put down from their thrones, the lowly lifted up, the hungry filled with good things, and the rich sent away empty. Sounds familiar, right? That's Mary's proclamation, the Magnificat from Luke chapter 1 when she found out that she was pregnant with Christ. Mary's proclamation announces how God's kingdom looks like. 
I like this contemporary adaptation of uh, the Magnificat. Mighty One, your name is holy. In every age, your compassion flows to those who reverence you. But all who seek to exalt themselves in arrogance will be leveled by your power. You have disposed the mighty from their seats of power and raised the lowly to high places. Those who suffer hunger, you have filled with good things. Those who are privileged, you have turned away empty-handed. You have come to the aid of your people in fulfilment of the promise you made to our ancestors when you spoke blessing to Sarah and Hagar and all their descendants to the utmost generation. Jesus' blessing to the poor, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted because of righteousness, is meant to encourage them to persevere, even when the world turns against them, even when they lose everything. For the world will surely do all it can do to protect and maintain the status quo. Jesus tells them and us that ours is the kingdom of heaven, that we are participating in this expansion of God's kingdom by rejecting the ways of the world and embrace Jesus' way. Jesus' way of nonviolence is revealed in the Beatitudes. Poor in spirit, meek, hunger and thirst for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemaker. But it is not easy. How many of us are willing to give up the comforts that we have? How many of us are willing to give up privilege that we have? How many of us are willing to let go of all the things that give us security and trust in God? And how many of us are still obsessed with wealth accumulation? Didn't Jesus say you can only serve one master, God or Mammon? Which master do we serve? The Beatitudes point us towards change that require our involvement because it is by putting our hands, our feet, our whole selves into this work that we are transformed through the process. Transformation is not a passive thing. It doesn't happen just like that, from the, dropping up down from the sky. We requires us to live in alignment with the values of the kingdom of God. It is by living in Jesus' way that we make the kingdom of God that is already within us a reality in the world we live in. It is then that we take on our full identity as the children of God, that we'll be comforted, that we'll be filled and that we'll be shown mercy. And it is by doing so that we will see God and we will inherit the earth. Do we see as Jesus sees? Are we able to live with an ethic of love like the Good Samaritan and live by a different code from those who might live by this ethics of what is mine is yours if you have need of it? When we live by this code of love, this ethic of love, we'll be laughed at. We're called naive. 
we'll be taken advantage of. But that's Jesus' way. It is that when we don't give up, when we keep doing it the way of love, that the kingdom of God expands. Do we see everyone around us as our neighbours? Even those who hold different beliefs and values, even the robbers who live by the ethic of what is yours is mine at whatever cost, even the wolves who rob us, can we see them as our neighbours? Even the Levites and the priests of the world who live by the ethic of what is mine is mine and I must protect it at all costs, even if it means that you get hurt in the process. Even they are our neighbours. There's a reason why I chose God of Moon and Stars. And some people have wrestled with that song and came up to me and said, God is a pimp and pedophile. Ooh. But God is God of all of us. And if we are able to see beyond these labels of enemies and friends, but see everyone as neighbour, then we will start to understand the Beatitudes and expand this kingdom of God. Instead of being focused on acquiring more and more things so that we have more and more of what is mine, 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 we're able to see that what we've been blessed with, we give away so that the world is transformed, just like what the Samaritan did. Instead of being obsessed with our own safety and well-being, can we be obsessed with the safety and well-being of others? Maybe if we were the Levite or the priest who walked past, instead of worrying, what if this person is already dead, you know, and touching him will mean that I become defiled, I become unclean. What if we think and stop and care. If I don't stop this person, who's going to help this person? Jesus' way requires us not to see people in categories, but everyone as our neighbour. Because, remember, the parable of the Good Samaritan was told in reply to the question, who is my neighbour? It is very tempting to see those who disagree with us and even those who exploit us, oppress us as the enemy. But that's not Jesus' way. Even those who persecute us, we need, we need to resist seeing them as the enemy. Because at the end, at the very end, Jesus didn't see those who crucified him as enemies, but as people who needed to be forgiven. The Beatitudes require translation to action. And not just the Beatitudes, but us becoming more Christ-like But when, when we lift them out. I think there's a lot of things that we can do. We can speak up when there's injustice. We can participate in the transformation of the world, not in a way that is waging war, but waging peace. 
I feel very bothered that, you know, um, I'm not sure if you read in the news of an explosion at Tuas Industrial Building where three workers, Mr. Sabayan Marimusu, Mr. Anu Suzaman, and Mr. Soel Mohammed, all died from severe burns that covered 90% of their bodies. And seven other workers were injured. And one of them, quite, a few of them, quite badly burnt. But how are we crying out for these people too? But we must resist, resist the temptation to label their boss as evil. We must see him too as one of our neighbours, one who was misguided, one who lived by the values of the world, where profit is everything, and the well-being of those who he employed, you know, not exactly on the top priority. Our role is not to condemn him, but to question, are there better ways to protect workers, to ensure their safety, and to treat each human life as, value, as of value? This is about making peace. Too often we go through the path of violence. We condemn we want vengeance. We want justice. But justice that is about punitive, that's punitive, doesn't heal. Justice that's restorative heals. And it is this restorative justice that we seek, that Jesus teaches, that there will be wholeness and shalom at the end of the day. And we do nonviolent resistance too, right? You know, those of you who asked, you know, um, how can, you know, do we speak up or not? We do that every year when we show up for Pink Dot. It's a nonviolent resistance to show we want change. I want to invite you to think about in what ways. Do you think that you can live out the Beatitudes? In what way you can live out the Beatitudes so that you can manifest the kingdom of God that is within you outwards? It's not something that's far away. You know, it's not something that's too far in the future from us but it is an ever-expanding, ever-expanding kingdom by our participation, by our refusal to follow the ways of the world and choosing to follow the ways of Christ. What can we commit ourselves in doing in our lives? Because sitting there sitting down and waiting for change to happen, you will not be transformed. You will not be manifesting the kingdom of God. But it is when we participate that we are transformed in that process, that we draw, we become more and more Christ-like. 
Love God with all your heart, your mind, and your understanding. Love your neighbour as yourself. That's not easy because love, sometimes love is a hard thing to do. And finding the right way to love too is, can be a struggle. Leaning on the Holy Spirit to produce the fruits. But that also requires our action. Allow ourselves to be undervalued by the world to achieve God's will. Pay it forward. Withhold judgment. Loving others. Caring about others. Putting others first. When my manager is impatient, try to understand why they are feeling that way instead of labelling them. And that will be applied to me as well because I got very um, frustrated with um, the current uh, um, restrictions that don't make sense. Um, giving others the benefit of doubt, not judging others. I need to grow a new pair of eyes and work on a different way of seeing. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Not just to see God, but see as God sees, not as the world sees. Pause, reflect before responding. Allow our hearts to be teachable by God. More conscious of those around us and pick up clues to when they need help. Learn, as wise, learn to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Yes. Thank you for your responses. I think that a lot of the things we say are very vague. But I want to invite you, you know, and as we progress um, through the year, the rest of the year, when we involve ourselves in different kind of work, right, to stop seeing people as enemies first, even when we resist changes or resist things that are imposed on, on us, even when we resist oppressors, not to see them as the enemy because then we'll be replicating and repeating the same cycle all over again. But in what we do, anchored in love, anchored in the values of the kingdom, with the manifesto of the Beatitudes, that we be and act in very different ways. And when we see something that is not right, may we learn to speak up, even perhaps when... It, if it costs us, right? It could be simple things and it could be something more complicated. But we are called to be different. Let us pray. God, you who planted the kingdom, your kingdom in us, guide us, strengthen us, Give us the courage to face what lies ahead. Even persecution. Help us overcome fear and selfishness and this instinct to protect ourselves before we do what is necessary. Help us learn to be like the Samaritan who gave what did the wounded man needed, stepped up way beyond what others would have done to save his life. 
Let us not ask the question, what will it cost us if we stop to help? But ask, what will happen to this person if we did not stop to help? Help us be living by this ethic of love so that we can bless others and so that your kingdom is seen through us. God, when we fail to do that, forgive us and help us break through so that the cycle of violence, the cycle of hate will be broken and so there will be restoration, shalom and your kingdom here on earth. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us calm our hearts and mind to come into Holy Communion with the Lord. We gather here each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not all physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries and here at FCC we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. And you only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. We are your people, God, called together in your love. We are your children, Mother, called around the table of your word. We are your disciples, Lord, called to praise and give you thanks. Together. We thank, we thank you, you, good and gracious God, for calling us to be your people, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hands to touch and bless our world. Even as your people, God, we are separated from ourselves, each other, and you, the creator of life. Let us confess our brokenness. As people caught in our tradition, we confess that we have helped perpetuate systems that deny the dignity and sacred worth of all sorts and conditions of persons. We have paid lip service to equality. Our lives are based on discrimination of the other. We have been our own worst enemies. We have failed ourselves, others, and we have failed you, God. Moved by your power, we accuse ourselves because we have not allowed you to form us as a new people. We confess, we confess our sin and we, we pledge to work for reconciliation with one another. We thank you, gracious God, for forgiveness and the chance to start again. We thank you, gracious God, for the gift of your Spirit given to us in Jesus, in whom we are freed from the past and its oppressions, in whom the gift is complete. Gracious God, you are the mother of creation and the father of life. We are gathered as your people to thank you for your blessings and to receive your mercy and forgiveness. And to remember how Jesus died for us, accepting death to show his love for us and you. We remember, we remember how, how Jesus, Jesus came, came to us, us 
becoming one of us, born like us, of flesh and blood and bone, a fully human person like us in all things but sin. We remembered how on the night before Jesus died, he gathered with his friends for one last meal. Sisters and brothers, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more, ever. Anyone eating this bread will not die, ever. This is my body, broken for you. Take, eat, remember me. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. When you are joined with me, and I with you, the harvest is sure to be abundant. I loved you as I have been loved. Abide in my love. This is my blood shed for you. Take, drink, remember me. May I invite the stewards to come forward to distribute the elements? Thank you. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, this is a good time to prepare your elements as well. And uh, for those who are new, please hold on to your elements. We will partake them together. All together, Jesus, you are, you are always present, present in our midst. You come to us simply, lovingly, humbly, in word and sacrament, in this bread and wine, and in the love we share with one another. Let us eat and drink of this bread and wine, remembering Jesus, his teaching, his life, his suffering, his death, and his rising to new life. Let us partake together.
For those who are able and willing, please, please rise. Gracious and loving God, you have made us one in the body of Christ and nourish us at your table with holy food and drink. Together, thank you for, thank you for feeding our, our hunger and, and relieving our thirst. thirst. With deep gratitude, we, we offer you our lives, our love, ourselves, gathered in Jesus by your life-giving Spirit. May we become a new people, wholly pleasing to you, a people giving glory to your name. Amen. Please be seated. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I ran out of battery. I thought I'd just change it this morning. Thank you, Pastor Miak, for the sermon. Indeed, uh, as I was listening to the sermon, I keep on reminding myself. One thing about us is that we always tend to judge others by their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions. So when we see somebody being mean to us or being harsh to us, we always think that you know this person is just not a nice person. And it's easy to think of this person as the other and not on our side. But unfortunately, we, even for ourselves, we know that a lot of times, though we may have good intentions, our actions come out opposite way of what we feel. And we actually make other people feel bad, though even we have good intentions. So as we go through our lives, uh, I think let us remind ourselves that People who love us or people who do not love us, whatever their actions may be, if possible to think of their intentions and perhaps by doing that, we may be able to empathize more with them and really do consider them as part of the beloved family of God. So welcome once again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church where Free stands for First Realize Everyone's Equal. Uh, we have come to the giving segment of, okay, not the giving segment. We first welcome newcomers to the church. If you are new to FCC, uh, please fill up your form at fcc.last/welcome. So this is a form where you may be filling your details about how you've come to find about find out about FCC, and then uh, our pastoral staff can reach out to you. Every last Sunday of the month, uh, we also have got a newcomers meeting. So if you are interested to join the newcomers meeting, please email your details to info at freecomchurch.org. So this newcomers meeting is not only just for newcomers, if you are just new to us for maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of months, or you have actually not met any of our leaders or pastors or have a chat with them, you are welcome to join this newcomers meeting so that you may find out what FCC stands for and what FCC is all about. Uh, today being the first Sunday of the month is our usual update of our giving situation. So for general fund, we have 
collected uh, 212,000 for building fund, we have collected around 98,000. So the idea about us giving this update every single month is that we want to be transparent with our collection. It's not that, oh, we have reached our target, we are happy and then we can relax or we are behind our target and then we get very, very stressed out and then we try to encourage you to give more. The idea is that actually nobody says uh, no to money. The money, the more the merrier. We always... We are always very conscious about uh, spending within the budget. We, are, we prioritize the servicing of all our equipments and uh, renewing all these things because we, have, we actually run a very, very tight budget. So please uh, do continue to give generously. This is just a figure, a monthly report so for you to have an idea. But if we collect more, it doesn't mean that oh, we'll spend all the money and then be reckless about it. But really, we have actually uh, held back a lot of our of our maintenance of this place, like the lights, the computers, the videos, etc., because we want to work within the budget. So for the ways to give, you may give by two ways. One is uh, by giving by pay now. You can scan the two QR codes. One will be for the FCC General Fund, one will be for the FCC Building Fund. The FCC General Fund is for the general running of this church, the space, uh, the staff salaries, etc., etc., uh, And then you may also give by credit card at freecomchurch.gift.asia. Uh, please note that giving by credit card, you will actually incur an admin fee. So that, doesn't, uh, that means that not all the sum that you give will be uh, given to the church itself. So uh, while we wait for the people to give. We invite those on site who may want to give by dropping cash or check into the collection bag. And we invite the stewards to come forward and pick up the collection. Thank you. Let us just pray for the giving. God, indeed, you are the creator of all and no matter what we think of people or of ourselves, no matter whether we label them as good or bad, we know that you love each of us as your beloved child. And as we think, as we've gone through the series on the Beatitudes, may we indeed let our faith and let what we believe and our attitudes in you be able to be expressed outwardly. That our whole being may reflect your image in us. God, we give thanks for the collection. Not only for the financial giving, but for those who give by volunteering their time, their effort, their resources, God. Because we believe that this is a way of us to respond to your love to us. We continue to pray for guidance, for wisdom, for prudence, and for a generous heart to share all this with those who are still in lack. For we have all we have 
of you is enough for all of us. We lift up all this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Now we come to the announcement segment of the service. Our very first announcement, as usual, will be for volunteers. Uh, our production ministry continue to be in the midst uh, of uh, continual upgrading and improvement. Uh, there's always more and more things that can be done to make the online service a more welcoming experience for everybody who joins us online. So if you are interested to volunteer for us at the production ministry, whether be it for visual, for audio, for video, uh, you can drop an email at e4 at freecomchurch.org. You may just join us on a, for a behind-the-scenes tour on Sundays at 9 a.m. You do not need to have any technical skills or any prior knowledge, so just come join us and then just drop us an e email and then we will uh, approach you. Next Sunday, 10th, 10th of October, is not just shopping, Shopee shopping day or Lazada shopping day or whatever online shopping day. It's actually our 18th anniversary for FCC. So we do not know, you know, I mean, the cases with the COVID pandemic is that, I mean, it's been very, very volatile. We are not sure whether, how we are able to actually conduct this FCC anniversary service. But regardless of whether we are going to be able to open up for, to welcome people to come on on-site services or uh, it may turn out to be only an online service, we do hope that you'll join us on 10th of October to join us for our 18th celebration of becoming FCC. Next, we also have got a course, a new course coming upcoming, which is the left course. So it's a progressive introduction to progressive Christianity. So this is a course for beginners and not so beginners. Uh, it's going to be conducted over Zoom every Thursday at 8 p.m. from 21st October to 9th of December, eight sessions. So you may try out two sessions before committing and you may sign up at fcc.la/left. Please note that there's actually a limit to the number of participants because uh, of the way that it's being run uh, over Zoom. Uh, we have already gotten like more than 10. So if you're really interested to find out a bit more about progressive Christianity, please uh, just sign up at fcc.la/left. Uh, now we'll just invite Wang Ci to come and talk a bit about the new app that FCC has launched. Thank you, Jamie. And hello, everyone. It's me again. <laughs> yeah, I've been here uh, last week as well to make the, the same announcement for um, our FCC app. So a huge thank you to everyone who has already uh, signed up. Uh, I've seen the registration coming in this week. If you are on site, we actually started to use um, the new app. Uh, that welcome team is using that to mark all your attendance. So we no longer need to run through the list to find your name and like check you off. So now everything is done uh, electronically. So from next week onwards, there will be no um, Google form being sent out. Everything will be done on this app. Right? So um, I know a lot of you has already um, installed the app, but just for the benefit of um, other people, I'll just give a quick run through. And if you actually miss it or you don't catch, don't follow any part, right? don't worry. Just go back to the, uh, the service video last week on YouTube, and you can actually find back the detailed instruction. Yeah, and if you're on site and you miss things um, for certain steps, uh, also don't worry, I'll be here after service for uh, 20 to 30 minutes. So just come to me and I can walk you through step by step. So let's just kick it off. So first, just scan this QR code or type in the short URL in your 
uh, phone browser. So if you're on iPhone, try to use Safari. If you're on Android, try to use your Chrome browser and type it in. So fcc.la slash service. Right, so second step. So second step for uh, iPhone user, you probably will see something like this. And at, at the bottom of your browser, you'll, in the middle, you'll see this icon that actually gives you more options. So you can tap that. And then you will see all the options you can do with this web page. So you can find add to home screen. So tapping on add to home screen will actually um, save this URL as an app icon on your desktop, on your phone desktop. Right, so all good. Let's move on to Android users. So for Android users, after you scan the QR code or type in the URL, you actually can see this banner pop out at the bottom of your screen that uh, prompt you to add it to home screen. So you can just tap on that and add it. If you don't see that banner, also don't worry. You can click on the top right-hand side. Uh, there, there's these like, three dots to select more. And if you click on the three dots and you scroll down a bit, you'll see install app option. So click on the install app, it gives you the same, same result. So you, after installing the app for Android users, you'll be able to see the app icon on your phone. Yeah, so this is a one-time process. You only need to do it like once, and then you, are, uh, you're, you already set up the app on your phone. Right? So next step, if you already download it into your phone, you can actually click open the icon, and this is also a once-off one, experience that you'll see this screen. Yeah, so if you've already done that, you won't be able to see this. But if it's your first time and you see this, just click uh, sign in with Google. So if you use your Google account, you actually don't need to go through all the OTP setup. Right? So just do um, sign in with Google and let's go. Right, so after you connect your Google account, like input your password if need to, then you will be able to see this page to set up like a profile. So again, one-off thing, just do it once. Just follow like name, mobile number, and we have a PDPA, and uh, submit. And then you actually have a profile for this app. And that's all, all these are just one-off. And next, uh, this will be a weekly thing that you can actually um, do your registration for our weekly Sunday service. Of course, uh, we'll be monitoring the COVID situation, so as long as we have um, physical service, you can do this uh, every Monday for the coming Sunday. Right, to register. And I think most of you actually realize that you can actually register for two people. For example, you and your partner um, wants to come together and you just set up on one person's phone. Then actually that one person can just do it for, for the partner. So you can add to list twice or three times if it's a family unit or anything. So it's uh, pretty flexible. Yeah. And if in the middle of the week you are not feeling well or have something on, you can also go in to edit your um, registration status uh, pretty easy. So just change from coming to not coming. So at least we know that uh, there, there is uh, additional slots that we can slot other people in. Right? And there's also a waitlist uh, feature that we have put in. So yeah, I think that's pretty much about the app. So uh, if you have any question, you can either look for me after service if uh, on-site, or if not, uh, feel free to uh, reach out on Telegram as well. Or if you don't have Telegram, just drop an email to info at freecomchurch.org so the team can uh, reach out to you to help you in this process. So I uh, just want to thank everyone for, for doing this, for helping us to streamline the registration process to manage um, our inflow of visitors better. Right, so with that, uh, last but not least, I'll hand over time to Pauline. Thank you. 
So thank you so much, Wang Zi, and the whole welcome team for you know making this possible for us. We we are really really grateful. And so, if you are willing and able, will you stand as you receive the benediction? God, thank you that your kingdom is already here within us. Help us to wake up, show up, and embody your kingdom values wherever we may go. So now go and be a neighbor and make our God of Shalom go with you always. Amen. Um, so thank you so much for joining us for service uh, this Sunday. Please go with God's peace. And God be with you.